Well, turn in your Bible to Song of Solomon chapter 5. We're going to look at Christ today. <laughs> but while you're turning there, I want to let you know about Tuesday nights have been incredible. We meet on Zoom and we just look at the scriptures together and we sit in the presence of the Lord together and pray. Uh, and it's been rich with a unique presence of the Lord every Tuesday night. We've been meeting. If you want to join us, uh, there's a QR code. I think they'll put up there and there's one also on the table out there. If you'd like to become a part of that mentoring group, it's so much fun, super relaxed, Q&A, and, and just uh, quietness before the Lord together. It's been great. So as I said, Song of Solomon chapter 5, I'm asking the Holy Spirit that he would help me worship through preaching. I think the highest kind of preaching that there is, is adoration. And so, I desire to yield into the sight that comes by the Spirit to see Jesus Christ. To see him as he in fact is. To see him for what he is, what he's like, what he's done, and what he does. All of these things put together steal the heart away. If somebody has a, an issue with their love for Jesus, they need only to look back at what he is, what he's like, what he has done, and what he does. Let's just, let's just touch on that just for a, a second longer. What he is. He is the origin of all things. No beginning, no end. He does all things after the counsel of his own will. He is... He, all things, the scriptures say, are his servants. He literally guides the bear with her cubs. He feeds the cows and he makes every blade of grass grow. This is who he is. That's who he is. But what he's like, we see in the person of Jesus Christ on the earth. Though he is God Almighty, men question him and he doesn't even get angry with them. He's so kind and he's so patient with men. He comes down to dwell with sinful filth. He just gets right in the midst of it and smiles at him. This is what he's like. Not only that, but what he has done is unmatched. No one has done anything remotely close to what he has done. Dropping down out of heaven by the weight of love and then giving himself to be humiliatingly stripped naked and nailed to a piece of wood in front of his own creation and by his own creation for his creation. Nobody's done anything like this. And now let's talk about what he does. He continually has mercy on you <laughs> and me. And he's so kind and patient with us. And he continually provides for us. And he stands by us and he guides us and he's, he just literally steals the heart away and brings you up into an experience of joy and peace that is unparalleled to the things of this world. You look at who he is, 
You look at what he is, you look at what he's like, you look at what he's done, and you look at what he does, and there is not one person that can come close to him. Which brings me to my text, Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verse 16. The scripture says, his mouth is full of sweetness, and he is wholly desirable. The King James Version says he is altogether lovely. That's the name of this time that I want to name today. If we're going to put a stamp on today, I want it to be called altogether lovely. See, if I had an angel's tongue, I couldn't give color to Christ properly. You see, all that a man can say about him is mere shadows compared to the radiance of what he actually is. To say that he is altogether lovely is to recognize that he is transcendently lovely. He transcends all other things that we know to be lovely. He is lovely in every area from every angle. He is this way. So Zephaniah tells us something very interesting. He says his face is like sunlight, light rays come out of his hands. He has a glittering spear and he has arrows of light with which he slays his enemies. What an amazing picture Zephaniah sees. And this is our Christ. There he is. You can't even look at his face because he's so resplendent. He has rays that come out of his hands. I don't even know what that means, but it's really cool. And his glittering spear. Why glittering? I don't know. Maybe it just wants you to be able to see it really well. Glittering spear and light arrows slaying his enemies. Oh, what is his voice if his glance is lightning? I'll tell you what his voice is like. His voice is sweetness itself. Literally words steeped in honey. His mouth is full of sweetness. Men have literally given their lives to find the fountain of youth in order to be able to extend their lives just a little bit longer. And all the while, they pass by him whose words impart eternal life. I don't understand this lack of interest in Jesus. I guess if I was to say where it comes from, it's to not see him. You must not have seen him. Because when you see that his mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable, he literally, as St. Augustine said, he, he takes my heart and runs away to heaven with it. I told you I want to talk to you about Jesus. Let's look at him fresh today and have that effect of the spirit quickening that comes by just seeing Jesus again, living by sight. Moses endured seeing him who is unseen. We want endurance. Keep looking at him who is unseen, but the eyes of the heart. You see, when men pass by Christ who gives words of eternal life, it's simply because of that ignorance of him. They treat Christ as a criminal, but what has he stolen from men except their punishment? His mouth is full of sweetness. This means that his words, his breath, and his kiss are full of sweetness. Samuel Rutherford wrote, even his crosses are sugared with himself. His mouth is full of sweetness. There is nothing not sweet that drips from his lips. Even his rebukes have a sugar to him. He is wholly desirable. 
See, his mouth, his breath, his kiss is full of sweetness. And I say that his mouth being full of sweetness means that the words that come out of his mouth literally are a taste that opens blind eyes. To hear his words from his mouth causes blind eyes to open. Oh, taste and see. When you taste his words that come out of his mouth, your eyes open to see. Not only this, but his breath is the spirit quickening. He breathes life even as David says, revive me according to your word, oh God. Give me life again that only comes from you. I read Charles Spurgeon said the other day, more life is the cure for all of our ailments. Just more tasting of him, more tasting for more seeing, more seeing for more love exchange and more rapture in his presence and in his person. And not just his words, his breath, but also his kiss. The sweet application of love to the heart that comes from the lips of Jesus. As Richard Raleigh wrote, his kiss can cure my evil and bring me to his bliss and give me him for whom I sigh, Jesus, my sweetness. His mouth is full of sweetness and he is wholly desirable. Thomas Watson said, his kiss is so, so sweet that it makes death even sweet to a believer. Praise God. The description of altogether lovely that we're looking at right now, if you look at the actual wording of how this phrase is put together, one theologian says this, that to say altogether lovely is actually to say he is made up of all loves and delights. And he excites desire. Did you know that lovely means able to excite love? That's the definition of lovely. And altogether is entirely, completely, holy. Not, there's nothing lacking. He is entirely, holy, and completely able to excite love on the inside of you. If your love is waning, withering, your vision is dim. Oh, to look at him again and again causes the heart to go from love to love to love to love. And guess what the fruit of love is? It's obedience. Men who are struggling with sin and don't obey the Lord, their issue is a sight issue. Thomas Watson said, Christ does not lack beauty. Men lack eyes. So I'm praying God would open our eyes to see the loveliness of Jesus to such a, an extent that we would be unwilling to look away from him. I've said this before, but I'll say it again because I think this is a brilliant statement. Charles Spurgeon once wrote, there is no reason why I should look away from Jesus, but there are a million reasons why I should not look away. I find this in my life. If I look away from Christ, there are a million things that go wrong, but if I look at Christ, it seems a thousand problems are solved all at once. So to see him bleeding love from every vein with love drops of blood, drops of love blood for you. I wrote this poem down. Blood dripping from the tree is for man a symphony in the ears of God that men can see. Stunning love, how can it be a paradise of altogether lovely? It's just him again and again. To say that he's altogether lovely is to recognize that he has all virtues and all goodness maxed out in every way. There's no hole in him. There's no weak spot. He is in every way 
perfect in all of the ways. And when we realize this, we won't look to those people who are incomplete to do something that only the most complete person can do. The more that we look to other people to fulfill us in some way is in, 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 an, in essence, you're basically saying Christ must be lacking in that area if you're looking to someone else to give you something that only he can give. This causes all kinds of problems. I've fallen into the trap myself many times. The scripture tells us in Isaiah 42, verse 1, that Jesus delights the heart of God. If Jesus delights God's heart, you better believe he can ravish a human soul. (laughs) Praise God. His excellencies are a wealth of thought and feeling. The more you think upon, you apply your mind to what his self-disclosure has told you about him. And it is a wealth of thought. It's too much. There's too many riches. You're overwhelmed with riches. When I was praying for you guys this morning, I saw a dump truck full of diamonds, so many diamonds that when it, it literally bent back to let out its contents, all the diamonds flowed, but the diamonds wouldn't stop flowing. And I felt like the Lord was saying that he is all riches. In him are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge and understanding. It's Jesus. Eric, I need wisdom. Jesus. Eric, I need guidance. Jesus. Eric, I'm sad. Jesus. I want to get married. Jesus. (laughs) He'll be it all. Praise God. Paul is so convinced that Jesus is altogether lovely. He says the statement, I determined to know nothing but this altogether lovely one and what he has done. I determined to know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, the sun in the sky, it rises and falls on our skin, but the sun of righteousness shines forever within. There is no setting of the sun with Jesus. He is always brilliant. He doesn't come down and then come up again. And come he is shining steadily forevermore, the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can count on him. You can trust him. He's not going to be there one day and not be there the next day. He's not going to help, help you through this problem, but uh, he's going to let you do this next one on your own. He is forever always shining within. And this is very important for us because sometimes we have bad views of him. We think that he hides, the, he thinks he, we think that he hides himself from us in the way of he, pro, he prohibits you from being able to experience him. He prohibits you from being able to have him as joy or peace. I'll tell you this, the more a man walks in obedience with God, he, the brighter and brighter he recognizes Christ to be. Right. It's disobedience and rebellion in the heart that shuts the eyelid to Christ. You see, the, the vastness of the sky can be hid by the, something as small as the lid of your eye. You look at the vastness of the sky and you can't even see the end of it, but if you just close your eye with a, something so small as an eyelid, you can block the infinite sky. And so it is with Jesus. He is infinitely available to you. But if you, by your own self-consciousness and putting other things in front of him, no matter how small you can block him, he must be put in front of all things. It's hard to set the Lord before you when you set things before the Lord. So I just, I'm just here to tell you guys what you already know, that Jesus is altogether lovely, and I just want to fix our minds upon it. 
and let it do its work on the inside. This is the activity of the Spirit. When you set your mind on Jesus, the Spirit is free to work. So we see this. John tells us that Jesus told us. John tells us that Jesus told us that his words are given to you that your joy may be made full. That's incredible to me. Jesus teaches you because if you listen to his words, you'll have real joy. This is the reason why so many people lack joy. There's no voice. The more you listen to the Lord, you give attention to the Lord, the more he literally infuses you with his supernatural joy. He becomes a heaven below. And even as pastor was telling me, the great treasure in the field is the man, Christ Jesus. Praise God. Revelation 21, 23 tells us something very interesting about this altogether lovely one. It tells us that the loveliness of this Christ is the radiance by which we see in the world to come. It says, the lamb shall be the lamp. The lamb shall be the lamp. Meaning, not only will you see him in the world to come and his brilliance, but by him you will see. He becomes the, illu he is the illumination of the world to come. Praise God. We will live looking at the Lamb and seeing because of the beautiful, altogether lovely Lamb of God. What am I saying? I'm saying you miss Him, you miss all. You get Him, you get all. That's what I'm trying to say. I'm trying to say that no matter how rich you are, no matter how wise you are, no matter how great people think you are, without Christ, you still live in inescapable darkness. It's Christ and Christ alone. Because the gospel is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of the altogether lovely one. The gospel is this. Look at him who is altogether lovely. You remove the altogether loveliness aspect, there's no gospel. This is the gospel. His face is altogether lovely. Everything you need is found in him. Here's the gospel. He's all sufficient. You are insufficient. Praise God. Praise God. So I ask you, what is it, what is it that you, what, what is it that you love in your life? I'll tell you this, no matter what it is that you love, it doesn't shine with a shadowless radiance. Christ does. I ask you, what is it in your life that you want? No matter its carrot, it's still a diamondless ring without Jesus. I say to you, what has your attention? It's not a smokeless flame. Christ is that smokeless flame, living smokeless flame. The scripture shows us that unending songs are sung, and rightly so, because he is altogether lovely. Praise God. So if we lack desire, if we lack that paramount desire, that internal spirit craving, that soul pining for the Lord, the issue is our Sight is dim or our gaze is deviated. The more you look at him, the more you desire him. The more attention you give to him, the more he pulls love out of you to himself. He's the one that's able to excite it all. Those who hate him, those who despise him, those who think little of him, simply have not seen that he is all together lovely. Just like a blind man does not admire a rainbow. You could open a treasure chest 
in front of a blind man and it doesn't, doesn't excite him at all because he can't see the riches that are there. A deaf person does not rejoice in a song because they can't hear it. So I pray even today, awake eyes, awake ears, and come and see him who is heaven's most dear. A man may say, I know of Jesus, I've learned of him, I, I've, I've, I've went to Sunday school classes, I've heard of Jesus all my life. Let me ask you a question. Does your sight of Christ put a fire of love in your heart? Do you feel the heat of the flame of love on the inside of you? Because if you don't, then your knowledge is like the moon, all light and no heat. That's the spirit of religion. The spirit of religion is all light and no heat. There's no feeling of that burning on the inside that comes by seeing Jesus rightly. See, he is, listen closely to this. He is so lovely to God and so lovely for mankind that to refuse to look at him and live by looking at him is to die in your sins. This is how lovely he is to God and how important he is to God and how amazing he has made himself available for you. That if you refuse to look at him, you will be cast from him forever. Are you seeing this? To refuse to look at Jesus is to refuse salvation itself. To refuse to give, to make your life a life that looks unto Jesus is to choose bondage. It's to choose chains. It's to choose heaviness. It's to choose to carry your own burden. But to look at Christ is to have him as all and liberty itself. So what thrills the soul of the bride in Song of Solomon is that she's able to say, he is mine. It's wonderful that we say Jesus is altogether lovely, but it's even better if you can say that altogether lovely one is mine. <laughs> so. He is altogether lovely. Yes, he is mine. But she is brought to the place of saying he's mine because his beauty has made her say, I am his. With one hand, you give yourself up to Christ. and the other hand, you receive Christ. And this exchange happens continuously. Sons are the perpetual recipients of God, giving themselves up to him and receiving him as, as life supply. So in the words of Thomas Watson, I urge you to clear your interest, to take away your trust in your own beauty or your own abilities or your own efforts or your own thoughts or what you think and give yourself wholly over to the beauty and majesty of Jesus Christ who is not just one star but the whole constellation. Amen. He is all of them. So the three things that I wanted to bring you, your attention to by looking at Jesus is this. Number one, that you would abandon yourself to him fresh. I'm doing this pretty much every day now, just abandoning myself fresh to Jesus. Number two, to make communion with God the highest center of your life. And number three, to tell other people of his marrow and fatness. How sweet he really is. To fix your eyes upon his sparkling beauties and it will draw love out of your heart. See, with the beautiful one before your eyes, we have statements like Jesus says in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, anyone who loves father or mother, wife or children more than me is not worthy of me. 
That statement is sometimes taken and think, thought to be very harsh. But you forget whose mouth it's coming out of. When you forget that lovely face that is saying this to you, who is ab- actually transcendent above all other things, then the statement seems really hard and heavy. But when you realize that he is altogether lovely, the statement only makes sense. See, your value of Jesus will affect how you see the things he requires. So if he says, I, I want you to love me more than everyone else, if he's not very valuable to you, you'd be like, well, I mean... But if he is literally altogether lovely to you, you'll say, absolutely, not even a question. I've told this story before. I'll say it again, and I I am almost finished. But think of a guy who sees a girl who walks into the church, and he sees her, and he thinks she's so beautiful. He says, I'm going to talk to that girl today. So he walks up to the girl, and he says, I was stricken breathless by the sight of you. I'd give anything to take you out to dinner. And she says, okay. They go to dinner, they start spending time together, then they start spending all their time together, and one Saturday afternoon with a clear sky, they're laying down in the grass with a picnic, and they're looking up, and he turns to her and he says to her, you know, I love you, and I want to spend the rest of my life with you. Will you marry me? And she turns and looks at him and she says, well, you know, if you marry me, that means you're saying goodbye to all the other girls. And he says, exactly, that's what I want. In essence, when Jesus is saying, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself, what he's saying is, do you love me more than yourself? Are you willing to marry me and put yourself down beneath me? When he says, anyone who loves father, mother, or wife, or children more than me, is not worthy of me, what he's saying is, do you love me more than these? Am I the highest desire of your life? And if you forget his beauty, those statements will be so harsh to you and almost trigger you, make you upset. Are you kidding me? But when you see how beautiful he is, you just lay down and say, I gladly bow my knee. Hallelujah. So take away the crown from every creature and thing in pursuit of this world and give it to him. Charles Spurgeon said, let Christ wear the crown he bought with his own blood. A lot of people are depressed and heavy because they're trying to wear a crown that's made for God. Better just to give the crown to God and let him wear it. Let him be the ruler. You'll find that your life is a lot lighter. Robert Murray McShane wrote, lighten your heart by laying on him. Praise God. So, who he is, what he has done, we see his perfections. Matthew Henry said that when we see him as altogether lovely, we'll be able to enjoy God in all and even in loss, enjoy God as all. Be able to enjoy God in all and even in loss, enjoy God as all. That's when we really recognize him to be altogether lovely. So to abandon yourself to the Lord, that's what I'm, I'm moving us towards. Let's abandon ourselves freshly to the Lord. All other eclipsing pursuits, all other desires. May we say with Hosea, what do these things have to do with me? May we say with our, with our hearts, what is it that can be given to me that I don't already receive in God or in Christ? 
May we say with Mother Besselia Schlink, you are here. What more could I want? May we say with Charles Spurgeon, you've given yourself to me, for what more could I ask? I'm encouraging you to abandon yourself to God fresh, to pass up the oceans of the world for a thimble of Christ, because a thimble of Christ is worth far more than the oceans of this world. <laughs> Praise God. I want to call our hearts to just give the attention to Christ that he deserves and to abandon all lesser pursuits and all lesser lovers because to entertain sin is to invite sorrow. When we allow a disobedience into our hearts, it sets a tempest of sorrow in the soul. But joy comes by being abandoned to Christ. I just, I reach to you and I say, give up the poisons of the world for the living water. Give up mold for the bread of life. Spit on the table of devils and dine at the descending table out of heaven. And enjoy Christ as all. I, I encourage you to clear all the rooms of your heart because no better guest can come but Christ. Robert Murray McShane used to pray, God, fill every chamber of my being. Every corner, just fill it all up. And number two, I want to encourage you to let communion with him be your first and your highest desire to be a world of pleasures to you, that you would let him take you again and again into the king's chamber and experience the sweetness of what he is. And I encourage you to love to be alone with his word and his spirit and just know that wonderful galaxy that opens to you by being in the presence of the spirit and an open Bible. Praise God. I encourage you to that to miss communion is to miss a thousand joys. If you skip communion, you skip over a million joys that could have been yours. I encourage you with the words of Robert Murray McShane, a calm hour with God is worth a lifetime with any man. I encourage you with the words of David Brainerd, an hour with God infinitely excels all the pleasures and delights of this lower world. I encourage you with the words of Charles Spurgeon, a half hour with God is worth a lifetime of suffering. Charles Spurgeon also said, it is worthwhile to have lived, if for nothing else, than to have had an hour's fellowship with the well-beloved. Praise God. It's worthwhile to have lived your whole life just to spend an hour with God. I wonder if he's that altogether lovely to us. And I say, if he's not, I pray today you see him in such a fresh way that that will be the, the phrase of your life, the heartbeat of your life. I'd rather spend an hour with God and only live for one more hour than spend a, a million years on this planet as the richest man in the world and yet not have his presence. I encourage you with the words that come from these that have touched him before in the past. And then lastly, to have a heart that is willing to tell other people about his marrow and his fatness, how sweet he is, how satisfying his soul is. You see, when we're not satisfied with God, we testify to the world that God's not enough. But when we find our satisfaction in him, then we testify to the world that he actually is who he says he is. So I encourage you to be like John the Baptist Jesus said that there was not one born of woman greater than John the Baptist. And it wasn't because of his austere life. It wasn't because he ate locusts and honey. 
wasn't because he lived in the wilderness and lived a life of restriction. That's not what it was. What separated him from everybody else is that he cleared the way for Jesus. He removed every obstacle in front of Jesus, and he pointed everyone to Jesus, and he sent his disciples to Jesus, and he looked at Jesus, and then he said, everybody, look at Jesus. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He looks, he sees, and he says, this is why John the Baptist is said by Christ to be the greatest among women, because nobody pointed to him more clearly. So I want to encourage you to enjoy Christ and then point everybody else to the same enjoyment. I, just, I guess I'm saying clear the stage and make some space for Christ, this King of glory. May he reign unchallenged in your heart because that's really what makes him happy. You know, the beauties that we know in this world, they all diminish with time or clo closeness. The closer you get to something that's beautiful, the more flaws you can see. As time goes on, things just kind of lose their luster. But it's not this way with Jesus. The closer you get to him, the more lovely you see him to be. And the more time goes on, the sweeter you know him to be. This is, this is how Jesus is. He's deity in a body above all the angels. Colossians tells us he's a first place. First place, not just in order. He's first place above all. No one trumps him. He is highest above the heavens. He's literally, he is a greater deliverer than Moses. He's a greater captain than Joshua. He's closer to God than Enoch. He went, ascended higher than Elijah ever did. He's a better king than David. There isn't a, another prophet that portrayed God greater than Jesus. He is the fullness of the image of God, and you can look at him and see it fresh every single day. I guess that's just what I'm trying to say. Abandon yourself to that. Go into that kind of communion and tell others about that. Praise God. So if Jackie could join me up here. You know, Jacob waited for Rachel. He served for her. Christ is even better than Jacob. How long he has labored for you and waited for you. He puts Jacob to shame with his love. Not only this, but he's called the friend that sticks closer than a brother. And it's so true because what friend would part with his very blood for you? Christ has done that. As John Flavel said, every lash that came upon his body became an open mouth to plead with God on your behalf. This is a friend that is greater than all others. And to see him rightly, you would need no arguments to encourage you to love him supremely, to delight and commune with him and in communion with him, and to live in zeal and readiness before him. Maybe you're here and you're saying, Eric, I just don't have this side of Christ. I really want this side of Christ. Maybe you're here and you're saying, I used to have this side of Christ, but I don't anymore. Or maybe you're here and you're saying, I have this side of Christ and I love every syllable that's coming out of your mouth. Whatever category you're in, looking to Jesus is what is needed. Because even if you're already delighted by his beauty, you must continue to look at it to continue to see it. As Michael used to say to me all the time, Kulianos, in order for my heart to love him constantly, my heart must see him constantly. So I encourage you, whatever category you're in. Let's choose today to turn our eyes 
and look upon Jesus. What does it mean? Think upon what he is. Think upon what he is like. Think upon what he has done and think upon what he does in your life. And you shall see that he is unmatched and his glory really is high above the heavens. So Jesus, we worship you. We praise you. We honor you. There isn't one that comes close to you. Holy Spirit, I ask you even now to unveil our eyes, unstop our ears made deaf by sin that we may hear your voice within. Clear our vision, clear the stage, clear our desires. Lord, help us today to freshly set our eyes upon you and to live a life of looking unto Jesus so that you might author and finish our faith. We praise you. We worship you. Glory and honor are yours. Power and dominion. You are good and faithful and true. You are patient and kind. We worship you. Lovely and wonderful. Entirely enticing you are. We worship you. We praise you. just right there put your hand on your heart just honestly and truthfully just say open my eyes Lord. open my eyes open my eyes Lord. open my eyes Lord Jesus thank you Let a little bit of that love come out. 